0: Purdue fans, this is Johnny DeCamp, bringing you play-by-play. The Rousy-Rousy. everybody along with Ron
1: Kramer. This is Pete Van Weeren welcoming you to Ross A. Stadium from Ross A. Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's a football Saturday in West Lafayette, Indiana, and one of the biggest home games in decades. Where the makers the field.
0: What a night in West Lafayette.
2: Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue football and the Ross A. Greatest Games podcast. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Raw Sage Greatest Games Podcast. I'm Corey Palm with Tim Newton as we celebrate the home of the Boilermakers during its 100th season. Uh, a few notes on the series. As always, before we get started, these these games will be presented chronologically. Uh, we are not going to try and rank order them. That would that, That's not a task anybody really wants. Uh, uh, we like to save ourselves headache, and, and that's one way we can do it. Another Another thing is this is not a comprehensive list. We can't possibly uh, touch on all the great moments that have happened in Rossade over the last century, Uh, but we're going to do the best that we can in bringing you some some really fun memories, some fun conversations, and later today we're going to have a great conversation with the uh, Hall of Famer, Mark Herman. Um, Tim, we're talking uh, uh, this week about the 1979 game with Notre Dame.
1: I was there. I was in, I believe I was in the stands that day, um, and coming into the game, you know, Purdue had come off a really good 1978 season, uh, was ranked in the top 10, in fact, ranked in the fifth spot going into the season, uh, had a win in opening week, and then went to UCLA uh, and uh, lost the game in the Coliseum. Mark Herman was knocked out of the game after a late hit by Kenny Easley. And so Purdue falls from 5 to 17, and all of a sudden you've got a rebound because. Here come the Fighting Irish to Ross Aide Stadium,
2: and, and he's not uh, exaggerating, folks. Uh, in researching this project, I went back and watched the film from that game. It was an extremely late hit by by Keddie Easley that knocked
1: him. You well, know, sometimes the fifteen yards are calculated and worth it, and, and in that case for UCLA, it was because it marked it knocked Mark out of the game, and of course uh, that really hurt the Boilermakers' chances to pull off a win. It,
2: it did for sure. It was going to. Uh, it was a tough game to begin with, but yeah, you lose a preseason All American. Forget about it. Uh, um, Meanwhile, Notre Dame came into the season. uh, They had recently lost a a future Hall of Fame quarterback uh, from their roster, but still very good, as Dan Devine's teams always were. And they opened the year with an upset at number six, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big win in Ann Arbor. Sort of got the nation's attention uh, when Purdue fell from fifth. Notre Dame took that spot yeah. and uh, brought it into to, to ross Stadium. As you said, uh, more than 70,000 people turned turned out, including yourself, uh, in in standing-room-only fashion that I'm certain would probably not be allowed today.
1: No, in fact, there were a lot of things back in that 78-79 era. They actually brought in extra bleachers that went on the sidelines, if you can imagine that. So imagine Rossade. Now, at that point, I think we still had the fence around the field, which had since been taken away. But past where the players were on the 30-yard line on each side, you had bleachers on the field on the sidelines from the 30-yard line down to the goal line. You had extra bleachers that were brought in, I think, in the north end zone. Uh, Basically, any spot that you could fill people with, they filled people with.
2: And I believe it was a record for the state of Indiana Mm -hmm. at the time. Most people, to watch a football game in the state of Indiana, uh, of course, that, that record would last only a couple years. Yeah. But uh, let's get to the game itself. It uh, started off with the, the Irish taking a lead uh, after a, a Purdue fumble. Wally yep. Jones mishandled a, an exchange with Herman, and and the Irish pounced on it. Um, still took some trickery to get in the end zone.
1: Yeah, you know, it was a little irritating because here comes this big, bad Notre Dame team, and you think they're going to run the ball at you, and they wind up scoring their first touchdown off a fake
2: field goal. Fake field <laughs> goal. Fake field goal, gets him on the board. Uh, Herman draws even late in the first quarter with a touchdown pass to Dave Young. Um, I, I really feel like if you're a Purdue fan and you don't know the name Dave Young, you haven't done your homework, one of the true great Boilermakers.
1: And, and really a guy that was ahead of his time. We think now of the, you know, you look at the Travis Kelseys, the guys that are great pass catchers and can get it free in the open field. Dave Young was way ahead of his time. Um, it, it turned out did not have a great NFL career, but he was a high draft pick from the New York Giants, but he was – he was able to stretch the field. He could catch the ball over the middle, and he was an athletic freak. I mean, Dave Young was as good a tight end as we've had here.
2: Absolutely, which is saying something, because there have been some great tight ends come through here, and part of that is, as Mark will talk about later, uh, Dave Dave was aided in the innovative offense of of head coach Jim Young.
1: Jim Young was ahead of his time. Uh, you know, we've had three innovators here at Purdue. We had Jim Young, you had Joe Tiller, you had Jeff Brom, and, and Jim Young really and a time when it was three yards in a cloud of dust in the Big Ten, Jim Young brought passing back to the conference.
2: Absolutely, and uh, a ton of fun to watch those films. What what wasn't fun for Purdue fans was after Young tied it up with that touchdown late in the first, Notre Dame put the next 13 points on the board, and midway through the third, they led 20-7. to 7.
1: Yeah, and I remember you sit in the stands and, and your team, which was ranked number 5 coming into the season, uh, has lost a game already, and now you're trailing Notre Dame on your field 20-7 to 7 in the third quarter. And you're thinking, where is this season going? But all of a sudden, the defense played pretty well all day. Uh, the defense, the junk defense that Leon Burtnett put together, and finally, Mark got the offense cranked up in the final quarter and a half.
2: Mark got the offense absolutely. A couple third-down conversions to Bart Burrell, uh on on what would be the first touchdown drive for Purdue in the second half. Uh, Wally Jones took it over the the finish line there to make it 20-14. to 14. Then Marcus McKinney came up with maybe the play of the day uh, with an interception that that he returned deep into Notre Dame territory.
1: Yeah, that was a great Purdue secondary. Bill Kay, Marcus McKinney, a bunch of guys back there. Tim Seneff, I mean, it was a— yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was the back half of that junk defense. You had great pressure up front, but those guys in the back were pretty good too and, and created a lot of turnovers and had the huge turnover in that game.
2: Shorefield, field, the Boilermakers uh, took just three plays to take the lead. Uh, again, it was Jones crashing over the goal line, 21-20. Mm-hmm. And uh, another punt, another sustained drive. Herman, Herman re- led the Boilermakers uh, on a 10-play drive that cover the length of the field uh ate up almost half the fourth quarter yep before the Carmel connection connected once more Mark Herman to Bart Burrell puts the Boilermakers up 28 20 yep and uh kind of averted disaster late about three minutes left in the game a little over three minutes left in the game Purdue fourth down and they need to punt out of their own uh well they were about the 20 yard line yeah
1: uh the the snap would let's just say was air mailed it was uh and joe linville was the punter and luckily joe was able to fall on the ball back in the end zone so instead of notre dame recovering it and maybe tying the game with a two-point conversion purdue took the safety so you're still up 28 to 22 and then they were able to hang on
2: from there they did uh not a great day for herman statistically although anytime you beat notre dame it's a great day as a purdue quarterback the one he got one and that was the win that was it 158 yards two scores um impressively. We've talked a lot about the defense from that moment that Notre Dame scored to go up 20 to seven. Yeah. From that moment on, they gave up one first down.
1: Yeah. It was Again, it was a great defense. Uh, we talked about the innovative offense that Purdue had with the shotgun snaps. We'll talk with the mark about that a little bit different than what you see today. But the defense was something, again, that the Big Ten hadn't seen. It was, they called it the junk defense because you never quite knew where everybody was going to line up. And not only that, but you had guys like Keena Turner in here and Ken Lauschen in the middle and Marcus Jackson. I mean, it was an incredibly talented defensive side of the ball.
2: For sure. Uh, 92 yards rushing on the day for Notre Dame, less than 300 yards of, of offense total for the Irish. And uh, they ended up sliding into a, a 7-4 and season. It, it wasn't a in the end. It didn't end up being a, a vaunted Notre Dame team. But 7-4 and is a season that a lot of teams around the country would take. Most of the time, so yeah. you know when you're bad is still better than most people's goods. It, it, it's your good program. Notre Dame's one of the best, and any time the the Boilermakers take that Shillelagh home, it's a big deal.
1: Well, and meanwhile, Purdue uh, went on to have a 10-win season. Only it's uh, it's only one in program history. The only loss the rest of the way was at Minnesota, a game where uh, everything went wrong. But uh, the Boilermakers finished the season with a bucket win down in in Bloomington, a game that again Mark Herman was knocked out of that game and fans will remember that the, the Purdue uh, the training staff put towels up around Mark as they were carting him off the field, because these were the days, you didn't have a lot of bowl games back then, and so there was a lot of mystery of which Purdue, which bowl game Purdue was going to be selected in, and uh, they w- didn't want people to know if Mark was badly injured, which thankfully he wasn't, uh, but uh, I, I just remember I was down in Bloomington, it was the first time I'd been at Indiana and sitting in the end zone with a bunch of students watching that game. It was a, one of the most fierce, hard-hitting games I've ever seen, but the Boilermakers rolled over the Hoosiers at the end and then go on to beat Tennessee in the, in the Blue Bonnet Bowl.
2: Great season, uh, in large part because of great games like this victory of Notre Dame, Week 3, the 1979 season, uh, one of the greatest games in ross Stadium history, and we'll talk with Mark right after this.
1: Your Central Indiana Ford dealers are a proud sponsor of Purdue football. Visit your local Central Indiana Ford dealer today.
2: Welcome back to the Ross Aids Greatest Games podcast. We are joined now by the great Mark Herman. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for, for finding some time for us uh, to, to discuss the 79 Notre Dame game. I know you had a lot of memorable games in your career. I'm sure this one uh, sticks out as much as any.
0: Yeah, no question. Uh whenever you play Notre Dame, it's it's a big game and uh the two previous years we lost very close games. So we were we were very anxious uh to host them and it was a tremendous crowd as I remember and we had just come off a loss uh, out in uh LA, UCLA. So we were excited to to play the Irish uh you know, like I said the fan support was I think we had over 70,000 which was just crazy. So um yeah, so we were excited we knew we had a good football team. We hadn't played well early in the year, so um, so this was a chance. Uh, we were both nationally ranked, and uh, a chance to get the Irish at home was, was pretty exciting.
1: You mentioned that uh, you would come off a disappointing loss the week before to UCLA, and the team started in the top five in the season. A lot of expectations coming into 79 disappointing loss, and you took a big hit in the UCLA game the week before from Kenny Easley. Yeah,
0: I did, Tim. Um, You know, it was a hot night at the Coliseum and uh, smoggy, and uh, so we played UCLA, and I remember we were going down to score in their territory, and and I was running, and he just unloaded on me at least five yards out of bounds. You know, of course, they threw the flag, but I was goofy, and uh, you know, I finally had to succumb to, to Larry Gates as the game went on. So yeah, very very disappointing finish for that game because we we thought we had an excellent chance of beating them, but
2: they you know we just had too many mistakes
0: and um, unfortunately it came on the short end. So and
2: then you had uh, that was a night game at UCLA, late night flight, red eye flight back to West Lafayette, which kind of makes a short week to get ready for a top five Notre Dame. Was there any question with the the, the hit to the head? I know concussion protocol is probably a little bit different back then. <laughs> yeah. uh, was there any question throughout the week if you'd play? Well, no, not
0: really. Okay. I, I had to shake the cobwebs out a little bit, but there were a, a few simple questions. If I could answer those, I was ready to go. How many fingers? <laughs> Three chances. Yeah, <laughs> if you're within one, you're on. Yeah, so, no, I was, I was ready to go, and I was determined uh, – uh, you know I was coming out of high school it was, it was down between Purdue and Notre Dame so I there was always a, a little extra incentive uh, for myself to to play well against them so uh, no the preparation was great that week we were excited and we couldn't wait to, to get on the field to, to take care of business
1: when you look back on that day Mark what do you remember the most about that win over Notre Dame
0: well um, I know we got by behind early when early fumble I think there was a little tough uh, connection with Wally Jones, and they took advantage and, you know, actually jumped out to, I think, a 20-7 to 7 lead or something. So, you know, we weren't playing bad football. There was just some some things that uh, they had a couple of uh, fake field goal and a flea flicker, and all of a sudden we're down a few touchdowns. But then we settled down. We started running the foot. We ran the football very well, as I can remember, and uh, we didn't maybe throw it 20 times, but we were pretty – efficient, and our defense really started taking over. We had, we just had a great group on that side of the ball, uh, but eventually we started getting things going our way. The momentum of the crowd, uh, I think, was bringing us back, and we started making some plays and started stopping them, and I think we scored you know 20 or so on answer, maybe 21, to, to take the lead. So there were a lot of big plays along the way. Uh, I Definitely remember Marcus McKinney's interception right on their sideline, uh, and he took it back to inside the 10-yard line. And that that really got us going in the third quarter, and then we just took that momentum and, and uh, finished it off.
2: Yeah, Wally Jones, 25 carries, 85 yards, two scores. Uh, John Macon, 86 yards as well. Yeah. They both had great days out of the backfield, which, like you said, this was not one of your statistical – Great days, 70% completion is pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 160 yards or so, just a couple scores, to be able to rely on the run game had to be great.
0: Yeah, I think we were very efficient, very balanced, and, uh, you know, Coach Young always wanted to be able to run the football. And, and, uh, you know, we used a split back attack. We didn't use the typical I formation. So that was – we got some sweeps outside and then some off tackle, and I think both those guys run so hard. and I I credit the offensive line uh, for coming off the football – we didn't need to throw it that much. We were efficient, and uh, I think I hit Dave Young with a uh, touchdown and then ultimately uh, uh, finding Bart for the for the uh, kind of the score that, that gave us a little room. So, yeah, I think it was just one of those games where you just uh, kept going with what was working, and, uh, and at that point the run game was pretty darn good.
1: I have to admit, Mark, I chuckle now when I look back at films from 78, 79, 80, the shotgun snaps. <laughs> yeah, you know we see the shotgun snaps today, and they're all practically every play. Yeah. They were more like punt snaps in oh, yeah. the, the day,
0: no doubt. Yeah, because when we first put it in, Coach Young said, "Well, let's let's back you up. So if you as soon as you catch the ball, you're ready to throw." And yeah, I was a good eight yards, uh, about half what your punt snap is, and and compared to nowadays, it's four or five yards. Yeah, I was eight yards, and uh, I'll give P. Quinn credit. I mean, he was so accurate, uh, he was just throwing darts back there, and I, I can remember just a few that were off uh, off target, uh, so he, the, I, you know, he did a great job, but, and that gave us a heck of an advantage, you know, I wasn't the quickest most nimble guy back there so uh it was it was great he might pete, for my, pete you
1: know. wanted to make sure i brought that up
2: okay yeah, I, I, I thought he want to sure i thought that, he yeah. made yeah. one, yeah. Do you know, one <laughs> thing one thing about him if you're going to give him credit or not he's going to take credit so one way <laughs> pete, or the other pete, yeah we all know, uh, good to see you pete well. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned um you that it came down to notre dame and purdue i imagine a lot of elite football players at the time that was their choice in the state of indiana uh and, and yet, a couple rough games you know, against them earlier in your career. You actually mentioned in your post-game comments that day how important it was for you to get a win against the Irish because all the Purdue greats, Greasy, Phipps, yeah. Samuels, they all had one, and, and you wanted one too.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is a big part of their legacy, and I certainly wanted to, to uh, put that notch on the belt. So, um, yeah, and we had boy, our freshman year everything was going great until uh, you know that
1: that one guy came Keep that on Montana the guy inside yeah, yeah, that's right uh, yeah
0: yeah and then the next year up there we lost 10 to 6 uh just a defensive battle so yeah we were all itching to have a, a great performance and uh you know finally we got the offense going and it, and it just uh, catapulted from there but uh you know those are the kinds of wins that uh, that you that keeps the memories going and And uh, because I was close to going there and and I wanted to, you know, make sure that I could at least get one win out of the out of that series. So that that was good.
1: Uh, You know, a lot of people remember and deservedly so the Purdue offense in those days. But your defense was really, really good. What was it like going against that group every day in practice?
0: Well, yeah, like spring, spring games or in spring practice was a battle because it was, you know, full equipment and, you know, all out. Uh, They had a heck of a. Heck of a system, you know. Leon Burton had with the junk defense, and you know those were there were some great players that went on and had wonderful NFL careers. You know, you get a look at Keena Turner, you look at uh, Calvin Clark, Marcus Jackson, you know, and then you had Kingsbury. I just a great group in the secondary. So yeah, it kind of made us better. And uh, uh, so yeah, if we weren't moving the football or have, struggling, we knew our defense was a constant that was uh, going to do a great job. So they. They were super throughout the whole year, and you know it was our only ten win season in Purdue history. And I think our defense gets a
2: lot of the credit for that. So yeah, a lot of great games that season. Uh, uh, you know, in football and sports, and a lot of sports, there's such a thing as a letdown. Uh, you guys had Oregon the next week, and and they came in, and that could have been a letdown. The team didn't look great, but but you gutted out a win in that one as well. And it's all part of what you said it was a very special season.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it would have been natural to come off that Notre Dame win and, and uh and be flat the next week. Uh Oregon was you know, a tough pack eight team, I guess, back then. Very good. Uh, yeah, very yeah. Good. Awesome. Uh, but they did the wildest thing. They would move their defensive ends out to double our wide receivers they just wanted to snuff the passing game so I've never seen that so we had a great success running the game running the ball that day and uh yeah I'm sure we'll never see that again but that was <laughs> they were going to take away our number one option so that's uh, we had to go with that and, and just you know kind of grinded our way to a win that week so that uh, yeah you're right you never know the circumstances of games week in and week out you just have to do what you can to pull out the W
1: you mentioned it was the only 10-win season in Purdue history. Uh, the the only other loss other than UCLA was up at Minnesota, and that was a day that uh, I know Pete Quinn talks about it with me all the time. You, you shake your head at that. Yeah. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, I think we had two fumble punt returns inside the five or just uh, <laughs> ten or something, so we handed them a couple touchdowns, and I've never seen Coach Young so mad at halftime. I, he was up on a training table, you know, and I think he knocked a, a – lamp down or something so uh, he was so frustrated because uh, yeah we just never could get it going up there and and that that ended up keeping us out of the you know big 10 championship mm-hmm. and, and and greater things so yeah that was the one real blemish on on the year that we just went up there and laid an egg so uh you know unfortunately we couldn't have done something to overcome the gopher because they were an average team that yeah. year so
2: and still the 10 wins bowl game bowl win uh, uh, following to see the Blue Bonnet Bowl, correct? Yes, correct. Win over Tennessee, uh, another great
1: The game. last game of the 1970s.
2: Yeah. The last game. Yeah, yeah. It, it
0: was, uh, I think it was over by 11, 30 so <laughs> I, I barely squeaked in. So, yeah, that was a wild and That was a wild one. Oh, my gosh, yeah. We got up to a big lead, and it should not even it should have been bigger because we, we fumbled again inside the uh, Tennessee territory. But, yeah, uh, but in... You know, pure Boilermaker fashion. We had to keep it interesting in the end, and uh, they made a heck of a comeback and took the lead. But we uh, we orchestrated a drive there at the end, and I finally found Dave Young for the for the winning score. So yeah, that was that was a very fun game, and uh, you know, people to this day said, "Oh, I was down in uh, in, in Houston that uh, that night, and such a fun game." So yeah, that that capped off a very good season because you know. Nowadays, we'd have been in a, a New Year's Day bowl, but there were only like 12 bowl games back then. So we uh, we thought we should have been like the Orange Bowl or, or Sugar Bowl or something. But, uh, you know, the Blue Bonnet was the, the next up. So we played a very quality program in Tennessee, which was fun.
1: How would you describe Jimmy Young as a head coach?
0: Well, gosh, you know, he was the reason I came to Purdue. Um, you, you know, Alex Agassiz had just been fired and – um you know, I was kind of leaning more towards Notre Dame, and Coach Young flew in, drove down to Carmel, and sat down with me and kind of mapped out a plan for how he would use me if I end up being the guy. and And he showed me some film of Arizona, some things they did in the passing game, and I, you know, I, I knew his background, being Big Ten oriented, and I, and I thought, wow, I th- I think I can, I can respond to this guy, and I I believe in him, and I think he's. Uh, you know, he's he's smart, he's tough, he's gold-minded, and uh, I think he, he ultimately swung me back to Purdue, and um, I just felt like uh, he would bring out the best of me, and he would design an offense if I was the guy, and ultimately I was, so he was able to develop things in the passing game, spreading it out, shotgun, moving our big tight end, Dave Young, across the formation, so all those things, and he was such a... You know, he's so focused uh, about his job and, and wanting to do well. And and um, so I, if he would, I, I was talking to Corey, if he was taught, if he would have stayed around, I think he'd have been the greatest coach. Well,
1: and you game. look too you had you had Jim Young, who really brought passing into the Big yeah. Ten and then yeah. Joe Tiller. Yeah. Again, revolutionized it. And then Jeff Brahm does a whole different system. So if you want to find out where offense is headed in the Big Ten, this is the place. That's right. This is the laboratory right here. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Yeah, we had to be the trendsetter because, you know, we're not going to line up and pound uh, a lot of these Big Ten teams. So we had to get outside the box a little bit, spread things out, do things a little, uh, you know, off kilter just to surprise teams and be able to take advantage of uh, what you've got. And, you know, if you've got a, a guy at the quarterback position that can orchestrate things and Get the ball to the proper receivers, you can have some success at Purdue and it's obvious who, uh, that we've won, we've had good quarterbacks, good things have happened. Yeah.
2: Definitely definitely had some success. That that innovative offense yeah. led to you in your career as the the all time leader in passing yards in the NCAA. What did that mean to you when that happened?
0: Well, I mean, it was incredible. I, you know, as you're playing, you, you just don't think of the, the yardage and those things adding up, uh, especially as a freshman. Oh, my gosh. I was just uh, just playing on instinct and everything. The, the
2: interceptions record still stands, too. From
0: well, it did it, until Timmy <laughs> Chang took it over from Hawaii. <laughs> Friday night, we're flipping around, and, and they said, well, Timmy Chang just broke Mark Herman's interception record. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>, I never <laughs> had to operate so hard. <laughs> I still have it here at Purdue, but the NCAA thing right. is gone, so that's that's awesome. But, no, I it was yeah, you know, it's a team thing, and I was very proud of that. Uh, I knew it wouldn't last long, and who knows where I am now, but uh, it's uh, it was fun uh, to have that because it – It meant success for our program, and and that was ultimately we did what we needed to to do to win football games, and I was able to do what I wanted to do and and be a pocket passer and and throw throw the football.
1: You were able to spend several years then in the National Football League after that, and right off the bat you were involved in the trade with John Elway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Shock of all shockers, uh, you know, it's May after – Two years uh, 81 and 82 and by that third year I thought okay I'm gonna have a great chance here Craig Morton was gonna retire it was just Steve DeBerg and me and um, the draft had been over in, in April and then but early May and I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. but um, uh, Dan Reeves called and said Mark we've uh, we've decided to uh, to trade you we're gonna bring in John Elway and we're gonna send you to Baltimore well I you know I was just uh, just shocked I was just hoping to stay in Denver the fans are great there and just have a career there. But, uh, Hey, that's the NFL for you. And you gotta, you gotta adjust on the fly. So I had to kind of regroup and, you know, get the shock factor. Cause I knew I was going to Baltimore to play for Frank gosh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that prospect exactly. throw the ball around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: gosh. And, uh, uh, I was, I could picture him developing a, uh, Cush Mountain or whatever Mount Cush in Baltimore somehow because he was making guys running but anyway so I, I just thought okay I'm gonna make the best this is this is what happens and you got to go there with a good attitude to see what you can do
1: then you also had a great experience you said in San Diego uh playing with Dan Fouts and yeah you told me it was between training camp you got to do things a little differently than you did in
2: Baltimore
0: Oh yeah, I mean, Air uh, Coryell, and we had uh, just an array of great receivers: Kellen Winslow, Charlie Joyner, Wes Chandler, Eric Severs, Pete Holohan, all these guys. And just, I and mean, we just line up and wing it. And and being around Dan Fouts and learning from him. And you know, unfortunately for him, he was hurt a little bit, so I got to play a great deal in '85, and that was my my best year, best year in the league, and um, uh, just had a lot of fun. And uh, you know, was able to play three, four, five straight games, you know, in the past I'd have been, you know, come in for one game or a half and it, it's just really hard to find a rhythm. So I was in heaven out there and, and Dan and I just got along great. And, uh, so, uh, and Don Coriel, Ernie Zampezi, our offensive coordinator, they just, they, this system fit me like a total glove and it, it was, uh, by far my most enjoyable year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. i want to go back to your the the end of your college career the the era on campus at the time you guys were you guys had it rolling in the football program but the the basketball program was was rolling too <laughs> yeah. final four nineteen eighty Joe yeah. Barry Carroll literal big man on campus yeah. uh, what was it like in West Lafayette during that time you know. It- as we look back, that was a golden era.
0: I, I know the basketball team had come off, I think, an NIT win in 79. Yeah,
1: or, to the finals. To the finals. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, oh, the, yeah, I, yeah. You so, that, so
0: anyway, yeah, and 79, we were, you know, uh, had 10 wins, and then 1980, um, uh, Final Four. So, yeah, it was, it was a great time. Uh, you know, it was just fun being around the basketball program because they were you know they were doing a great job and, and Joe Barry was uh, leading the way and they just had a fun team and uh they were just doing and the Big 10 was extremely competitive uh a lot of those guys were around in that era so yeah it was fun we would we would come over to to Mackey and score some tickets and uh, so yeah we you know unfortunately we didn't go to the final 4 who who knew that would be the last uh, time but we uh uh, we were driving back from uh, spring break, and we heard that uh, we had beaten Duke and the, and the Elite Eight, I think it was. And uh, so, yeah, that was a, that was a wonderful time. And uh, yeah, we talked fondly about the, to those two or three year periods.
1: I gave away my Final Four ticket. I thought, <laughs> what, what no big deal. We'll go back. Oh, exactly. we'll go back for yeah. So <laughs> I'm right. looking forward to that opportunity, and
2: hopefully, <laughs> we'll it'll be- sure. yeah, I'm with you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mark, there's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for oh, bet, yeah. going down memory lane with us.
0: Hey, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I always love to talk about those great those great days. So, uh, and that was a fun game to talk about for sure. Thank you, guys.